nothing is ever a waste because down the road you may pull on that contact or need it. So it's it's kind of cool when you can zoom out and see like, oh yeah, all the dots do lead somewhere, even when you can't see it in the moment. You're listening to Business Edge, the podcast for professionals looking to excel in the workforce. You'll hear from new guests each week as they dive deep into their personal and professional experiences to give you an edge in the marketplace. This podcast is recorded by Desiree Williams and Chrissy Vasquez at the Alpha Kappa Psi Professional Business Fraternity Headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome back to Business Edge. Today we have another fantastic story of entrepreneurship and we are really excited to share this one. Jennifer Boonlorn is the founder of Soul Carrier, a line of handbags and accessories based out of Phoenix, Arizona. And Jen, I know you have a really incredible story of kind of how you got started and how you found your true north. Um, So I'm going to toss it to you and kind of let you introduce yourself and um, talk about your background. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love podcasts, and it's just always such an honor to get to share my story and my journey. So, Soul Carrier is a line of leather handbags and accessories, and they're sold at high-end resorts and spas like the Four Seasons and the Fairmont and Hyatt, um, either in the retail um, kind of gift shops or the spa boutiques. And the message that I want to inspire people and kind of have my brand really stand for is this question of where do you want to go? And I feel like there's so much noise in the world. There's so much coming at us telling us to do more of this or less of that. And it's like, no, I want to inspire people to ask that question and to get really quiet and still and to like come within and listen to their soul and I never want to ever give anyone the answer like that's between them and, and their intuition and their spirit and soul. But to kind of spark it, just think about like, yeah, where do I want to go in life and what do I want to do and what do I want to bring to fruition? And that question stems from, um, it really was the last question my mom ever asked me. I was a junior in college. Christy and I are both ASU undergrads. And I was in a car accident that involved my entire family and I was in the car and my mom moments, it was a tire blowout and moments before the tire blew, my mom had turned around and she's like, where do you want to go? And we were talking about vacation and then the tire blows and it's total chaos and my mom dies upon impact and my dad passes away hours later at the hospital. But I always come back to like, wow, that's pretty profound that that's the last thing she left me with and I was 21 and a junior at ASU and you know kind of at that age where you think you're an adult but you're not completely adult and you're trying to find your way and my dad really really wanted me to be an attorney and so at that time I thought yeah I'll try and um, fulfill on my dad's dream and make them proud and be like, look at me. Like I went to law school. I survived all this and now I'm an attorney, but it just, it was not a fit. <laughs> I had to take my LSATs multiple times and it just didn't really click. And I didn't get into any of the law schools I applied to. And when I came back to like, well, what, where do I want to go? And what do I want to do? It's always been related to, fashion and design and anything kind of creative and within the arts. And so I had already graduated from ASU at this point 
and I started taking um, fashion classes at Mesa Community College just to kind of get my feet wet and see, like, this is interesting. You know, I already have an undergraduate degree, but let's just explore. So I did, and on the first day of classes, I think I took a history of fashion and maybe an illustration class. The um, head of the program there said that she was going to take a bunch of students on a one-week tour of the New York fashion industry. So she took us all to New York, and it was absolutely magical. Like, we met with designers and photographers. We met with the guys who do all of the windows at Saks Fifth Avenue. And we met with people who trend forecast color and trends. And it was just like, wow, this is incredible. And that trip really made fashion a reality to me because before it kind of felt like this Hollywood-like pipe dream. It's like, oh, I want to be a fashion designer. It's like, oh, I want to be an actress. You know, but it was like, oh, no, this is a thriving business with so many different facets and so many different career paths within that industry. So I applied to Parsons. They had a two-year uh, fashion merchandising and design program, pretty much to kind of get you up to speed if you already had an undergraduate degree, just so that you could start working in the industry. And again, that was just, it was divine. Like, I, my classes were so, like, the first day of classes, I was like, oh, I've arrived. Like, this is it. I found my purpose. I feel so aligned. And it was just this incredible Right, I got to intern for Oscar de la Renta and dress models backstage at New York Fashion Week and met, you know, Mark Jacobs and Anna Winter and had internships that definitely 100% were like this movie, The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> <laughs> so once you had graduated from Parsons, um, walk us through your path after that. Where did you go in the fashion industry? I graduated from Parsons and then I worked a bunch of different jobs, worked at American Eagle and product development, and around that same time, the TV show Gossip Girl was really popular, and one of the characters, Blair Waldorf, was like my style muse, and I loved that she wore headbands, and at the time, headbands were really popular in New York City, too, and so I was buying all these headbands, and I'm thinking, I can make these, like, I have a glue gun, I'm super crafty, (laughs) like, I love (laughs) fashion, so I started making these crazy headbands, and they were very elaborate. And I showed a professor, he's like, you need to take these to the buyers at Henry Bendel, which Henry Bendel is no longer, but it was one of the major retailers, like, on Fifth Avenue in New York City with, you know, a big window that was a few doors down from, like, Fort Dirk Goodman and Saks Fifth Avenue. And they had something called an open scene, which was um, pretty much like a casting call for new designers. And if you could get in the door by 9 a.m., you could have a chance. And it was really ended up being like a two-minute meeting with the buyers. And you quickly showcase your collection. If they were interested, they'd follow up. So I stood in line. It was probably like 3 or 4 a.m., like New York, like a cold spring morning. And there were already probably like, 20, 30 people ahead of me that early in the morning. But I got in the door. I got two minutes in front of the buyers. Like, we love this. Like, we're buying everything. And so I scrambled to, like, pull. I didn't even have an LLC at the time. Like, I had nothing. So I was, like, doing production because I was hand-making every handbag and then trying to do the back end of, like, the paperwork of what it takes to be an official business and got them all in. Henry Bindles puts my stuff on the mannequins that face Fifth Avenue, and I have a huge trunk show. 
And that also um, came at the same time that my niece, Blake, was born. And I remember my sister calling me saying, like, I'm going into labor. And it was the very first day of my trunk show. So I kind of get chilled that, like, Blake was born (laughs) on that day. And I'm like, wow. I stood in in front of the window that night and, like, took a picture and, like, I have this really cool picture of, like, the mannequins, and you can see me in the window, and you can see this yellow taxi cab, like, going by, and I just thought, okay, my time is complete here. Like, I've graduated from Parsons. I've met the coolest people, had the coolest internships and jobs, like, got into Henry Bendel. Like, I'm ready to go home, and Phoenix, I was born and raised here, and my family and friends, like, they were all here, and New York was amazing, but I didn't feel like I was, it was my roots. So how did you really find that direction and start building your business? I made my way back to Phoenix that summer. And at the same time, Barney's was opening at um, a local mall, Scottsdale Fashion Square, and there was an art event, and it was called The Mannequin is Our Muse. And the concept was, for the grand opening of Barney's, they were going to give people blank mannequins and then told them to, like, turn them into art, like, turn them into whatever they want and you know, restaurants did like a food theme mannequin and um, the Arizona Republic and different local magazines made dresses out of, you know, paper mache and it was super cool because you just saw everyone's creativity. And I collaborated with a friend, another friend from Arizona State University, his name is Bob Wilkinson, and he's this incredible architect and we'd always stay in contact and I was like, Bob, let's like do this mannequin together. So we... We go to the dollar store and Home Depot and the art museum. We have like all these ideas. Like Bob and I always have like all these crazy ideas when we collaborate. And we find at the dollar store these 99 cents rag rugs, like made out of recycled materials, super vibrant and colorful. And he's like, this is cool. So we bought a bunch of them along with all these other like random things from the dollar store. And we just kind of start playing and we decide to cover the entire mannequin in rugs, so she's like this crazy statue. We even covered her face. She's on display at the mall, and then Bob's like, Jen, you just got back from New York and and graduated from Parsons. Like, you should do something with this material. I was like, yeah, it is pretty cool. So I started messing around, and in a very raw, crude way, had these messenger bags. I mean, I was using, like, hot glue gun and hand stitching. They were very crude, but... Then started selling it to friends and then had another friend from Arizona State Days, Andy Brown, who had a t-shirt company called Soldier Leisure. And I think Chrissy knows Andy. I know Andy. uh, (laughs) I was like, Andy, maybe like we should collaborate because like you got back from L.A. I got back from New York. Like there's just different areas that I need some help with and maybe you can help me figure it out. So Andy and I came together and I was like, look, I want to make these bags and actually turn it into a business and find like a manufacturer and, and start selling them. And Andy suggested, he's like, all right, let's first start. Because the headbands at the time were called Jennifer Page Design Headwear and Accessories for the Posh Pop Star. And Andy's like, I think this should be a separate brand. And I was like, it really should because the headbands were uber preppy, very gossip girl. And these rag rugs were almost very bohemian chic and had a totally different vibe and I was like yeah that's that's a good idea so Andy threw out the word carrier and I was like I like it but it it needs something more 
And I had had another conversation earlier that day, also with someone very, very near and dear to my heart. He's since passed away, but he was a friend of Cameron, also from that whole kind of issue crew days. And we were talking about soul. And I'd had breakfast with Cameron, and then later on I met up with Andy. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, the word soul was just, like, rattling around in my head. And I was like, Andy, what if we put the word soul in front of carrier? And then I go on GoDaddy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's free, which, you know, is so <laughs> these days, like, trying to find a domain name. I was like, I can't believe it. And so that was the very, very beginning of my collection. And then it's just been this really long times <laughs> growing at times absolutely amazing journey to turn it into business and brand and now the bags design wise look so different like now they're leather they're definitely more polished and kind of at the level where it can be at a, a four seasons and a Fairmont and you know high-end Marriott um where in the beginning it definitely had that kind of raw crafty feeling and then the logo and branding has gone through multiple iterations and as I look back I'm like oh my god you know at the beginning I would pull friends and be like hey will you model for me and now I'm at the point where I'm like hiring real models and the photography has changed and it's just been so fun. Oh thank you so much for sharing that I mean it's been Uh it's a cool thing to hear it all together when I've lived it and watched it over years through social Mm -hmm. media and your emails and posts and things like that. I mean, we've known each other over 20 years. So, um, Do you I, believe that, Christy? No, we're not <laughs> old enough. We're not old but enough yes. for that. Um, right. So I have a couple questions from your story. First, I think how profound that that was the last thing that your mom said to you. I can't even imagine what that experience would be like. And I know that you and your sister have been each other's rocks through all this. You all four were in the car when this happened. And I just think it's so, it gave me chills when you talked about your day. It's your big day at Harry Bindle and your nephew's born. It just feel, it's just so amazing how it closed that chapter and sent you back to Arizona. Um, just really kind of pulled together. I've heard your story so many times and I still get tears in my eyes every time I hear it, just how much you've persevered through everything. So when you were at Parsons, was it like Project Runway? I have to ask that question because <laughs> yeah. I picture you running around <laughs> with yes. Tim Gunn it, and Heidi Klum. It truly was. I didn't see Heidi or Tim. Um, the, what's so cool too is I'm so glad, Christy, that we had that ASU experience because I felt like ASU was a total typical quote unquote normal, right? Football games, huge campus, where if Parsons was my first experience, it was so different. Um, because the build the campus is spread throughout the city. So there might be one building uptown, one building downtown, um, and you don't have that unifying true college campus experience. Um, but as far as Project Runway, it was just it was so fun that there was an energy and a creativity and this everyone was so artistic and it was so fun it was such an international school I mean there was a the majority of students were from Europe and Asia and it was (laughs) one of the stories I always remember is it was a very wealthy school too because we'd have these like you know half an hour breaks and some of our classes would be um a lot of our classes were down in the village or kind of near Union Square, but there's a ton of shopping and really nice high-end shopping. So 
I'd run out on my break and, you know, grab a coffee or something. And other girls would, like, run to Louis Vuitton or Gucci, and they'd come back to class with these major bags, you know, like, oh, my God, did we just go on a shopping spree? It was fascinating to just see, and the New York itself being such a, you know, melting pot and petri dish of so many cultures and nationalities. It was awesome. I, I love that. You talked about your original designs with the rugs, and I still have an iPad holder. It's huge from yeah, one of the, the first generation. Yeah, the original designs were very much to their, like, the rag rugs that you literally, I mean, I sourced a ton of them both from the dollar store and Home Depot. And because the way the weave is made, um, you can't really cut the rugs up because what you do, they become unraveled. So I kind of had to work with, the dimensions that the rug was. So the bags, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I can just do anything and and work around and have a pattern. So it was a lot of messenger bags. I had a lot of, you know, where you just kind of fold it over and and sew it up. And then I went through multiple iterations of, you know, I tried really, really hard to find manufacturers here in Phoenix. I'm like, well, there's got to be seamstresses. But Another thing with the rugs is it's a really thick, kind of hardy material. So one, Phoenix is not a huge manufacturing center, so there wasn't a ton of sewers. And two, the ones that I did find, like their machines just couldn't work with the rag rugs. So over time, I kind of evolved away from it. And I'm trying to, like, in my personal life, be as super plant-based and conscious as I can. But, like, from a design point of view, I... I absolutely do love leather. I think it's beautiful and I never want to hurt an animal, but I also see that, you know, there's a huge meat industry and until that gets cleaned up, there's this, all this leftover leather. And so I'm like, well, if we are going to be full circle, like we might as well use up what's left. And so I do use leather and I do. You just have some really cool experiences like with these internships and like feet on the ground marketing and sourcing and everything with that. For someone who may want to go into the fashion industry like you did, what advice would you give them? I would say get as many internships as you can, like just taste and explore because there's so many going into it. I thought like there's either you're a designer or you're a buyer and you're a thousand type of positions in between like when I was in American Eagle there was a woman who was a color specialist and literally she had a degree in like color and so her job was to match when we would get a, um, a shirt or something a product in from overseas it would be that like the designers would be like okay this is strawberry red and she would match it to the panatone and be like nope, this is too saturated, this is too dark, and then we'd send it back to the factory and be like, make it lighter, make it brighter. And I'm like, who would ever know? Like, that's a job. That's yeah. <laughs> I would never have guessed that. that. I would either. But now <laughs> all of a sudden I'm thinking of the Double Wears Prada where she talks about the, the blue sweater right? yes. digged out of a clearance bin. <laughs> yes, this is really blue. Exactly. So things like that and that there's people who – you know, more, they might be drawn more to, like, construction, like, the people at anthropology and that do all the fabulous windows. Um, there's those jobs. So I think exploring and knowing that if you're interested, there's so much. I even, I, I've told interns that I've since had that are 
you're very tech savvy. I'm like, that's an amazing skill to have. I'm like, every fashion brand needs a website and, you know, SEO and keyword search. So it's almost like any skill set or any position in a different industry can be applicable within the fashion industry. You know, maybe you're an accountant, but you're working for Mark Jacobs in accounting. So I think to understand that there's a really wide spectrum um, depending on what you're interested in. It doesn't just have to be design or the buying side. And then realizing, too, that the buying side, I went into it thinking, like, oh, it's all glamorous, it's fashion shows, and it's uber chic. But then when I saw I'm like, it's a lot of number crunching. It's a lot of, like, I feel like if you went into accounting or supply chain, that would be super applicable because it's just a lot of, like, forecasting. Well, we did a lot of business in pink tank tops, like, you know, up that business from 50 to 60%. And so it's it's really plain and Excel all day, especially for the more of the mass brands. So, yeah, it's just opening. And maybe that would excite someone. But, like, for me, I was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to play in Excel all day. So <laughs> I don't think I want to be a buyer. But I wouldn't know that unless I kind of got that exposure. So I would say, like, take on as many internships, and I think, too, there's so many, like, fashion podcasts and books. Like, just consume as much content as you can to just really get that broad view of um, what's out there. Yeah, that's a really great point because, I mean, I don't know much about the business side of fashion, but I would have said the mm-hmm. same thing, a buyer and designer. So you kind of get into that right. funnel. So just to know that there's such a wide array of choices for you to follow is totally. pretty cool. Yeah, and, and then how the whole, like, blogging and Instagram world has changed things and, like, shifted media that even now I feel like it's given people opportunities that, you know, maybe they're not in New York or L.A., but they can have this huge Instagram and blogging platform and how that impacts fashion. So, yeah, it's really multifaceted. I want to back up a little bit to something that you said about trying to be a lawyer and fulfill your dad's dreams of you going to law school. So you talked about not being able to get into law school. That's a big sign that maybe it's not meant for you. But what were some of the other things you were feeling in your gut? Or what were some of those other things Mm -hmm. that you kept feeling like, okay, this is not the right path for me? Yeah, I, you know, after... In, in, in a really, truly positive way, like the group of friends from ASU all went on to do amazing things. And so it was like this positive influence that, you know, they're going off to law school and grad school and going to be doctors. And so I'm like, I want to keep up with them. And so there was a little bit of me that was like, well, this is the next thing to do. It's like, check. And it's like this cool thing to do, <laughs> even though I'm like, it's not a fit. It was more of a like, trying to sit in and I think it was coming to terms with I'm like I loved fashion and design and art but it almost felt like eating candy I'm like this is too good to be true this is too fun like and if it's too fun like I can't do that I got to go do the thing that's hard and a struggle and like realizing like no actually it was too good to be true because that would be me in my flow state and like trying to struggle is like kind of the universe and faith being like, no, Jen, this is not your path. But mentally I was trying to convince myself like, no, it's like where we struggle and it's hard and academic. That's what you should do. 
Um, and I think too, at that age, I didn't have enough perspective and the tools that now looking back, I can say like, oh no, like listen to your intuition and I've done so much therapy work and I love self-growth and personal development and that kind of whole world and love reading those type of books and consuming those podcasts. I feel like I picked up tools along the way that have strengthened those muscles, but at the time back then it was just like, it was almost following the crowd, even though it was a positive thing. Like it wasn't, my friends weren't doing bad things, but it still wasn't a fit to try and go to law school just because my friends were all going to grad school. And what I think is so like unique and really powerful about your um, line of accessories and your handbags is that it's so personal. And um, mm-hmm. as we were kind of preparing for this, um, I was looking at the manifesto that you have on your website. And I, mm-hmm. I just love that. It really shows that it's Aww. more than just like a fashion company. Um, yeah. So do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that and what kind of inspired you to write a manifesto? Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, um, it was after I had moved back from New York. Yeah. And I was working on Soul Carrier and I had a roommate and then I actually asked her to move out because talking about the noise, like she would ask all these questions and it was always, I kind of feel like they were dripping and tinged with doubt and kind of, you know, her outlook on life was like, you find a wealthy man, you get married, like check white picket fence. And that's great. That's what she wanted. I'm like, go do that. But I'm like, that's not my path. Like I want to figure out how I can do this. And, and even if it doesn't work out, I want to go out trying. Like, I'm, I don't want to let fear of failure stop me from starting. And so um, after she moved out, I had met this other woman, and she was she was a creative writer, and she wrote all this poetry, and she wrote this beautiful manifesto, and it was very much one of those inspirational, like, go forth, you know, live your dreams, everything. And, and graphically, she had it laid out, and it was beautiful. And I bought it one from her, and I'm like, this is awesome. And so I'm like, I want to write, what, like, what I stand for. And at the time, I was going through therapy, and <laughs> I would journal throughout therapy, and I'd have these, like, key words and sentences that I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's such a mantra. And so I wrote it, and then I probably had, like, 100 drops. Like, I'd literally leave my laptop open on my kitchen ta- counter and I'd work on it for a few hours and then step away and then go out and run errands and even, you know, I come home at night and it might be late and I just sit there and be like, no, I want this. And I'd really like massage it until I got it where I wanted. And then I, over the years, have kind of recrafted it as new experiences have come in my life. And I was like, well, now I kind of see it more from this perspective. I want to expand it. And so I just feel strongly about having these pillars and when you brought up True North, um, my friend Cameron, the one that um, passed away a few years ago, he came with me on several of my trips to Mexico because I was like, I should probably take someone with me and not be running around there by myself. Cameron and I were down there. I mean, this is another story about like personal values and uh, I met a woman and she worked for the water bottle company, Aquafina. And she'd come to me and she's like, hey, I think there's a chance I could fly you out to L.A. and you can meet P. Diddy and Mark Wahlberg. And I like to say I have that shiny, sparkly syndrome. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to meet P. Diddy and Mark Wahlberg. Like, this could be amazing. 
And she's like, maybe you could do a collaboration like Soul Carrier and Aquafina. And I get like totally starstruck. So I kind of have this in my back pocket as we're going down to Mexico and I'm telling Cameron, I'm like, all right, and while we're down here, we need to design a bag for Aquafina. And he's like, okay, slow down, Jen. He goes, I'm not opposed to like any of this, but I do say you have to pick a lane. He's like, you've got 20 of your own designs. You're trying to hire a new, you know, group of artists in your factory to make these bags. You have this potential cooperation that's not even solidified. He's like, and so then he brought up the concept of True North, which is that kind of goal, destination, vision, whatever it is out in the future. And then that's kind of your, like, marker. And then you kind of, as requests and forcing the road and decisions and choices come across your path, you stop and you go, okay, if I say yes to this or no to this or I fall through or I don't fall through, is it going to get me closer to that ultimate sure north that ultimate goal or destination that's out in the future and so you kind of as you get quiet and still it's like okay i get clarity on like yeah aquafina might be an amazing opportunity but i might be biting off more than i can chew when i have so much and right now my true north is to kind of build out soul care and get a little firmer grounding underneath me and so that's really stuck with me and i feel like it it parallels along with what my mom said to me about where do you want to go? Cause it's like, well, where do you want to go? And then it's like, what is your true North? And when you get still and quiet and aligned with your soul, you have that answer. And I feel like the answer to where do you want to go? That becomes your true North. That is your true North. And it can change with time and seasons and chapters of life. But I think it's, I really want to inspire people to like constantly ask that question and constantly be like, dig deep within their soul to find the answer, which is their true north. You know, I think that's really important to talk about Cameron is to have that person in your life that can say things that really make you think. And it's not, I think this is a terrible idea or you shouldn't do it, but think about this. Because, you know, the one thing I was thinking about when you were telling that story is, sourcing materials is so important to you. And so partnering with a bottled water company, I don't know if that's, you know, would have been the best underlying message for your brand based on kind of what you've said about the things that matter to you. But um, yeah, I think that's really awesome that you had him in your life at a pivotal time. And it it goes back again, like all these right timed moments in your life, you know, with the people that need to keep you moving towards your true north. Um, I think that's just another reminder of when you're doing something that you love and that feels right and matches who you are, those things come together. It doesn't mean that it's easy all the time. You have plenty of obstacles, plenty of challenges, but it all starts coming together. I always say that like with enough time and perspective, you can be like, oh, okay, that happened. So in the future, this could be in place, but as it's happening, it often feels like things are falling apart, but then down in the future, you're like, oh my gosh, that happened. So this could come together that during, you know, COVID and this whole pandemic, um, Cameron, his brother-in-law came to me and his sister and brother-in-law, like I consider them family. I just I adored all of them. And his brother, CJ is like, Jen, what about mass? And I was like, mass? And this is back like beginning of March. And like, yeah, maybe I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out next steps. And I felt that when everything kind of 
the whole world was kind of going into shelter in place. I'm like, it doesn't feel right. It feels tone deaf to try and sell my luxury product in the market I'm selling it into. They're all closing. I mean, the whole resort industry has just kind of been put on hold. And so I'm like, I really, this time, just want to like put out my message and my content, but like I've got to kind of just chill. Like marketing, just, it doesn't, you know, I get, I've since tried to learn to be empathetic and not judge because I get emails from, you know, Neiman Marcus or designers that I call and I'm like, really? But then I'm like, okay, of course, like don't judge Jen. They have a whole team and if they, completely lose all their business and they're going to have to lay off people and that's people who don't have a job. So it was like trying to have a bigger picture than, because at first I was like, oh my gosh, I don't need another designer gene. You know, people are losing their job and I'm like, it's all circular, like it's all connected. So when CJ came to me and he's like, what about masks? I'm like, okay, that feels very fitting. Like there's a need and this was back in the days when, um, you know, we were hearing all the stories like there's no N95s and my friends who are nurses and doctors are like, okay, we're taking anything. Like we will give our nurses cloth masks because we're running out of N95s. I'm like, oh, there truly is a need. Like this is a dire situation. So we, CG and I scrambled and we found, um, and again, back to all the things happening, like people that I've known for the past 10 years that have helped me with the bags, like I'm like, Oh, they are sellers. There are people in my backyard that I could hire to sew up these, you know, they're not medical grade, but they're just the cloth mask. And so we kind of got that up and going and we got um featured on the um the local Fox Ten News and saw a huge spike in sales and then we got put on GQ and and then that has been a whole adventure of like rushing to get these masks made and packaging, get them out. And all during the pandemic when you're like, you know, trying not to see people or dropping things off at the door and then picking them up. Um, so that's been a whirlwind. But as I sit, I'm like, oh my gosh, I had so many things in place, so many tools that I go from my friends were like, wow, you were able to pivot so fast. And I'm like, yes, but honestly, it's because I had 10 years of contacts and people where I'm like, oh yeah, that's who I'll call for packaging. That's who I'll call to get fabric. That's who I'll call to help me with, you know, PR. And so, um, again, in the past when some of those things kind of came to a standstill, it's like, oh, it's nothing's ever a waste because down the road you may pull on that contact or need it. So it's, it's kind of cool when you can zoom out and see like, oh yeah, all the dots do lead somewhere, even when you can't see it in the moment. I think that's a really great point. We've heard that from several guests that we've had that networking is truly getting to know people and it's a two-way partnership, two-way road. You know, you deliver for someone else, they deliver for you and you just never know where a contact's going to lead. You may not need them right now, but it could lead to something down the line or it could lead to somebody that they know that you need to be in contact with. So that's one thing that we've heard time and time again is building your network is really important and making sure that you have a reputation behind that network. Yeah, I can't say enough, like, having a strong network, it really is the people you know, and then when it's synergistic, and it's a, we both give, and we both want everyone to win, that it's not like, let me take, let me see what I can get out of you. It's so awesome, but I've interns that um, 
have come to me recently and they're like, do you know so-and-so? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I do know who she is. And, and it's people I know 10 years ago. And then to be able to put that intern in contact with, you know, the creative director now at Everlane or Refinery29 and be like, oh, a friendship I made in New York might benefit someone who helped me as an intern. I, I just think it's really beautiful. And it's um, just a cool way to live life. That's awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really awesome to hear your story and everything that you're doing. I will say that you were one of the first companies I saw really pivoting and changing your operations model for COVID with the masks. So um, hats off to you. And again, it's all about life coming together. So we really appreciate you coming on the show with us today. So Jen has graciously offered our listeners a discount code as well. So if you use the code AKPSISOUL, A-K-P-S-I-S-O-U-L, you'll receive 20% off all products at soulcarrier.com. Thanks for listening to Business Edge. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions for us, email businessedge at akzai.org.